This is the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast with my mom, Shalini. And today, she's going to talk to Auntie Johanna. That's Modern Petra's mom. And she's going to talk about being in the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I don't care if you listen, I don't care if you listen, I don't care if you listen. That's just one of those things that I could invest more money in podcast materials, but I don't because (laughs) I don't. Not Um, until you're making the big bucks, baby. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) You'll get there. (laughs) Inshallah. Inshallah, that means from your lips to God's ears or God willing. I think that's God willing. Yeah, God willing, God willing. Because I always say from your lips to God's ears because that's what I'm hoping happens. I am excited to record the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast with one of my oldest and dearest friends of all time, Mrs. Johanna Bogator. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hi. So these are, you know. I, these are, so I said we were going to do this without video, but I still like looking at you. So if you're good with video, we could do video. Okay. I did it with my friend. The I, I did a podcast with my friend Abby the other day, and um, we didn't use video. And it does sound good. It does sound good. If I recognize a lag, I'll Whatever let you know. Whatever you want to do, I'm open. If I recognize a lag, I'll let you know, because that's what happens. Okay. The video starts eating up. Oh, sure. Stuff. And are you going to... Do you try and do a seamless thing without editing, or do you usually go back in and... (laughs) You know, this is why I know I love you. You know why? (laughs) Because people who aren't familiar with the process, they don't even ask that. They just start going. And I love you, my gal pal friends, who just like, just start rolling. They just start going, and they just um and on. Have all my my dearest friends, you know my my friend Leonica and Shante. We've been we've been recording lately, and Leonica and I've been we we had tried to record. We got up to thirty six together, I think episodes. But she's got she's got so much going on. It was always that thing where I was spending so much time editing, and I told her I said what I'm trying to do is really try and streamline it so that I can do as little editing as possible because otherwise what what happens. So a little background. Johanna and I worked together in radio. That's where we met. We started in radio a hundred years ago. <laughs> but the thing that happens with me that I miss about radio is the live audience. We didn't have to record shows. They just went out over the airwaves and they were done. Problem with podcasting that I few things that I don't love are that I don't have live callers and that I have to go back and edit for time purposes and I have to publish it and I have to go through all that stuff. I can't just talk and have people hear me <laughs> I have to like go through this process. There's like this process now. So I appreciate the question. I do like to streamline it as much as possible. Um, some people think I'm being a total bossy bee when I try and like drive the conversation, but then I catch myself driving it too much sometimes because I need to shut up. So, yeah, I I try to make it streamlined. So I'll try okay. to kind of plot it out. I've got I've got some notes that I kind of want to make sure I cover with you. I would always like for anybody who I'm talking to to feel like anything they say is exactly how they said it. Like I don't want to change your words. 
So I want you to tell me if you say something and you're like, you know what, scratch that. I don't actually want to say that. Take that out. Just tell me. Okay. Just be like, hey, take that out. Because I'll go in and take that out. I have no problems with that. Sure. Or um, I'll just say, I'm going to start over. Yeah. You know, because sometimes I get in the middle of a sentence and I'm like, oh, this isn't going. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Happens to me all gonna the time. going to start over. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. And I actually even have to go in and edit sometimes. Like if I say, oh, I have two points on that, and then I forget the second point, I'll have to go in, edit, take out the I have two points on that, come back, and that's podcasting. Don't ever put a number on it. (laughs) Keep it vague. Keep it vague. Smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. All smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the, the benefit of having been on radio where it's like you have that experience of being able to make it flow and like <laughs> it's something I don't know I try and look at all the pros of what radio gave me a husband <laughs> you <laughs> um, bitter feelings <laughs> I you know radio gave me some pros I'm, I'm now teaching online I picked up a new gig I, so I teach my music class online so I think radio helps me there with my kids music classes Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm yeah. also trying to do some teaching online, some regular t- teaching English online. So, because, you know, we all got to make this hustle of staying at home work now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think radio has benefited me in a few ways, but sometimes the longing for what I had as far as live audiences and fun promotions and stuff like that may the longing of it may be the punishment because I just miss like Mm. it was like daycare for grown-ups let's face it that's all radio really was don't you think we were just a bunch of kids playing we were playing all the time and there were like 60 and 70 year old radio people who were just playing all the time they were just old radio people don't you think right yeah yeah, I mean, it was stressful for me, and it might just be where I was at in my career, and I was just starting and having these big egos around, as you know. I mean, that that was tough. Girl, <laughs> that is why I left radio. That's exactly why I left. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't do that girl, be the girl, women do this, this is what women do, women can only Women should, women shouldn't, not for women. No, you can't. That wall for me, like, I lost my stuff. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I wonder if the damage that radio did to me is more than it benefited. Wow, yeah. And what's it like now, you know? I mean, yeah. in this new era of uh, women and and what we know now that we didn't know then or that men know now <laughs> that should have known then you know I feel like the if I were to ask the women that I know that are still in broadcasting I feel like they would I mean they should probably add, I don't know I feel like they feel like unicorns themselves in the mm-hmm. sense that they're women who have made it in the industry okay mm-hmm. and they know how to play the game Right. And I'm not uh, saying that the ones that I'm thinking of in particular have compromised, you know, I'm not saying that they've like slept their way to the top or anything like that. But I do think that there's a certain level of 
ignore that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That they, they just had to do and whether or not they're willing to ever speak out on that or whether or not they're ever willing to call people out on that I don't know mm-hmm. if that'll ever happen but I feel like right. the pay it forward would be making it easier for women coming behind them but the industry itself hasn't made it for easy I think for a lot of I don't know you mix up podcasting with it all right so it's like now you've got mm-hmm. this whole platform where people can say anything they want. You get to that point where people have that platform where they're like, you know, I could say anything and I can target my exact audience. You know? Yeah. But I really don't think terrestrial radio is ever going anywhere. I think, I mean, they used to say that back in the day, but I think it's still true that it's always going to be around. I think so too. It's personal. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's ex- very easily accessible. And it's local. So, yeah. Local, yeah. local, local was everything. It's the edge that radio always had while we were in it. And that's the edge that they've kept is the fact that they're local. I mean, they talk to the mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. Right. If there's any left, we'll see if there's any left after all this <laughs> fallout. Mm-hmm. So I digress. Welcome in to the I Don't Care If You Listen <laughs> podcast. The podcast is... Uh, the, the word that, that we use for audio journal. And uh, my friend Leonica and I started this process as really just a way to kind of journal what was going on in the world. It was post-Trump where we were just trying to figure out what's what. And now it's obviously a whole different world of conversations. Leonica has adopted children. She's running for school board. Um, she's got a lot going on. We catch up every chance we can. But All that I want to do is talk to people from all different backgrounds as much as humanly possible so we can talk about what the is going on and we can all figure it out together and have mini conversations, large conversations, deep conversations, superficial conversations, and literally just conversations to hash it all out. So Mm -hmm. when you and I um, communicate, you're someone, Johanna, who I have, I don't think I've ever really had a filter with. (laughs) awesome no (laughs) i don't think think we hit it off pretty quick yeah and you know what i was looking through a bunch of old pictures p.s we have a lot of old pictures together um (laughs) but there's certain friends of mine i mean i grew up in a pretty white area and so there's certain friends of mine that i grew up with that i can say to them hey where are the white women at with this what's happening with the white women (laughs) and they'll They'll tell me, you know, kind of what they'll tell me what the temperature is as far as they can see it. And then there's other friends that I have that take total offense to that. You're not allowed to, needless to say, I don't talk to those friends very much because the day and age that we live in, I just can't have very many superficial conversations anymore. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) You and I have talked on this podcast before. The kiddos have talked and we've kind of chit-chatted. But you're one of the people who actually put your money where your mouth is, you put your action to action, you put your rubber to the road, whatever they call it. Um, you've done a lot of work politically. Can you yeah. give everybody maybe a little background about, you know, post-radio life? We left radio. What year did we leave? I left in 2009. I was out in 2009. That's when I told my boss, my male chauvinist boss, that... I wasn't going to do it anymore. So that was when I left. So after Kalamazoo, didn't you guys move to China? Yeah. I mean, it's how much do you want to (laughs) know? Yeah. I I worked designing ads for a small magazine and then 
I just, we needed to get out. Yeah. You know, we loved Kalamazoo, but it was like time for adventure. So lived in Florida near my mother-in-law for a while. And while there we trained to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. We hiked most of the Pacific Crest Trail in California. And then we came home and I was working for a toy company. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. It's kind of silly that I feel like this environmentalist that would then have a job shipping, you know, plastic toys from China (laughs) into the country. Hey man. Um, (laughs) Hey man. It's a hustle. Yeah. But then, um, I, I wanted to go live in Asia just to try it. And I told my boss, that's what we wanted to do. And he said, well, I don't have anybody on the ground in China. Why don't you go do that for me? So that's what I did. I was in the factory where they made the plastic toys and, um, such a bizarre, bizarre world. Um, (laughs) but, um, but I was grateful for that experience. You know, it was paid for living yeah over there just having those cultural experiences and how long were you there about nine months it was nine months that's like a nice chunk of time yeah and the goal was a year but I wasn't accomplishing what he sent me there for I didn't speak the language so yeah the you know the the factory owners and workers could right in front of me say oh this plastic is junk (laughs) you know what I would have no idea idea. just be laughing at me behind my back about you know, so it didn't quite work, but you tried it. You're brave. I got an amazing experience out of it. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel very brave sometimes. I don't know what, why I get myself into certain things, but I just jump in with two feet and then see what happens. And that is what makes you, you. And that is why I think that you and I click. So there's these people, um, think, uh, Brene Brown did a talk or somebody did a talk. I heard it, maybe a TED talk, but it was something to the effect of, you know, there's all these people who say, I knew from the age of five that I was going to be this. I knew when I was seven years old, I was meant to be a pilot. I knew. Good. That's awesome. Most Indian people I knew knew they were going to be a doctor. They just knew from the time they were 12. They knew. But then there's those of us, I think, that are hummingbirds, and we just kind of need to try it all out. And zing, 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 and I like this, but I don't like this. I'd like a little bit of this, but I don't really like this. Kind of like this. I'd like to take a little bit of this, transfer it over here, use it here. So I find that fascinating. I think that's what I am, and I I think part of it is I get bored. (laughs) I think I run about a two-year time span on something, and then I'm like, okay, I tried that. I need to move. And as frustrating as that can be for, you know, my partner, mm-hmm. it's, it's the reality. And I come, you know, you get to a certain point in your life where you maybe start to figure out who you are, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's, I'm getting there. It's a constant <laughs> journey. Just, I don't think you ever get to that point. I think you're constantly figuring out. Don't you think it's like a lifelong yeah, thing? It is. But I think there's certain things I've realized about myself that even though, those are hard realizations. I've coming to accept some of the things about myself that yeah, can be hard to confront with. <laughs> and that's one of those things that I don't seem to mind, you know, having to move around. I just don't know, like I said, with the partners in my life or yeah. my family members, you know, is it is it hard? 
<laughs> There's a few reasons why I'm very intrigued by that conversation. <laughs> you know, you were there when I met my husband. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what different worlds we come from. Yeah. So you can only imagine what his ultimate expectation of life was and my ultimate expectation of life and how we both both must have been on such interesting paths when we came across each other. <laughs> like, I wonder sometimes, did he think that he was getting in a relationship with a forever radio chick? Because that's not who he ended up with. Did I know I was getting into a relationship with a rocker guy? Like, real, like a real one? We ebb and flow. We change. There's no way we can say stay the same. And then I think that's probably the test of it all is, do we still like each other despite all the ebbing and flowing? For sure. And I've had many times, I'm sure everyone does, where you go, how the heck did I get here? <laughs> but obviously I made all the decisions that got me here. <laughs> I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. So it's thinking about what decisions now, what trajectory does that put me in for five years or 10 years down the road? Who knows? <laughs> Why are you all in my head, yo? <laughs> like literally yeah. same conversations daily in my head. Same. And then some may call it, oh, it's a midlife this or it's a midlife that. Or I don't know. I feel like when my mom was my age, she had it all figured out. She Have knew. you asked her that, though? No. Because she now probably feels the same way. I don't think she would do. say that now. I don't know what she would say. I, you know, with my mom and, and with me even, I find that if I sit and dwell on the past, I will and I do. Do and I have beat myself up. And I'd look at me today and I'd see me and be like, well, it's not that. I mean, come on. You can you're happy. You're healthy. You got a good family. Your kid's okay. You know, your house is okay. What do you, what do you all wound up about? But I had this different impression of what it was going to look like. And it's not that picture. My picture's all jacked up. And so I don't know what to do with this jacked up picture. Like, I don't know how to organize this jacked up picture into something that I'm, like, good with all the time. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, you are not alone. <laughs> well, I appreciate That's that. That's for sure. That's good to hear. I mean, not in a I want you to suffer way, but in a <laughs> thanks, because holy moly. I swear, you know... And I blame social media. I try I try to really, really monitor what I'm consuming as far as those subliminal messages of everybody else has got this and everybody else has this together and everybody else has that together and look at this person's success and that person. I, you got to be careful of that because that's not any way to live. I don't really, no. I, don't, I don't subscribe to that idea that we all have to keep up with the Joneses, whoever the hell the Joneses are. I don't even know what that even means. <laughs> No, that's that's the truth. It's Facebook is just a besides a propaganda tool. It's, it's the demise off. of a nation. The demise of a nation. You can call it what it is. Sorry, you said showing off. <laughs> no, but it, yeah, if you're not spreading propaganda, you're you're showing off how great you are. 
and it's it's only the best pieces of you right yeah. like you might see all your buddies like oh look at they're like going on these amazing trips and whatever they have a new this or that but on the back end of it on the inside they they probably have all these issues too you know yeah so well, you just, know, there's there's all kinds of studies. <laughs> there's all kinds of yeah, exactly. And there's all kinds of studies that say you know teenage girls blame social media for depression and blah 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 because you know the whole idea of getting likes and not likes and followers and not followers like that's got to be stressful for them. So I think social media is having its own psychological effects on every generation, and I think that's kind of an interesting experiment to watch. Um. But another experiment, uh, along the way, you took your activism to a higher level. When did you do that? Yeah. Well, talking about places I never thought I'd be in, um, the 2016 election happens and <laughs> definitely put my life in a different trajectory. Gee, why is that? Um, what happened in... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, you know, long story long, um, <laughs> I wanted to get myself to the Women's March in Washington, but I had a 10-month-old baby, and I would have needed to take her with me. You know, I'm in the middle of nursing, and I'm not going to stop that. You know, yeah. she would have needed to come, so I'm trying to figure out, like, if I drive there, who do I stay with? Like, how do I get there? Because I had to be there. And I, before I even heard the Women's March, I told my partner, if something is going down in Washington, I'm going so then this march happens. I'm like, gotta be there. It wasn't practical. I, you know, decided. So I started looking for a local march. I live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So um, I'm in a very small community of 2,500 people, but the biggest city is about an hour away. And so I started going on their Facebook groups and saying, "Is there a local march? Where is it?" And finally, somebody said, "You plan it." there isn't one just plan it and do it. And so I said, okay. And so I created a Facebook event 12 days before the March and there was a thousand people there. And so it, it really was just harnessing what was already there, you know, like you build it, they'll come kind of thing. Um, I didn't do anything fancy, literally just made the Facebook event. So after that, it was starting to look at, what I could do in my small town. Um, and we looked at what the women's March group was putting out as directives, like next steps. And they had write postcards to legislators. So I hosted one of those postcard parties and I thought we'd have, you know, five people there and we'd write postcards and go home and that'd be the end of it. But we had 25 people. I was like, where are all these people come from? It was just word of mouth. Um, I got them there and um, so it wasn't you know just a one-off it was clear that these people needed something more and they were like when's the next meeting what are we doing next so from then on we started meeting once a month we figured out our name our mission a logo um, and then tr started to try to figure out what actions we wanted to take um, what was your mission, by the way? We pursue equality for all uh, local, state, and national. 
Hey, that's you had me. You had me at equality. <laughs> Basically, it's equality for all, and you know, fighting for that goal at the state and local, state, federal level. Um, but we started, you know, indivisible groups were popping up, and so we were looking at what they were doing, and they put out this kind of like handbook for for action. And one of the things that they took from the right, the Republicans, was that. A long time ago, they started putting people in local seats and just kind of took over. And so we said, well, that's what we need to do. So I looked at the city commission and kind of told people, here's what you got to do to be on the city commission. Who wants to be on the city commission or who can we find? And um, nobody was stepping up. And so I was like, I'm running for city commission and I'm not out here claiming to be the ideal candidate, you know, I never was like, it's me, I'm doing it. It was like, nobody else was going to do it. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to do it. Um, so I, my first election, I was running against the mayor because it just happened to be the timing. His term was up that year. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So he had to rerun and, you know, it was like, probably not going to win, you know, and, the mayor isn't elected as the mayor. Our particular commission appoints a mayor from the five elected people. So it's not like, it's not like if I was to beat him at that time, I would then be mayor. You know, they could choose someone else sure. among the existing four to right. be a mayor. Right. So I wasn't trying to be the mayor on my first go. It was just, he happened to be the person that I would have to unseat. Um, so I did end up losing that election, but I got 40% the vote which surprised a lot of people nice and um through very little effort really i mean um so i think that was just clear that people were wanting change you know this commission would be people who've been there 20 plus years just kind of the same old crew all men um and it kind of was a lack of interest too and i that were they all white men yeah Oh yeah. And where I live, you know, in Upper Peninsula, it's, it's very white yeah. anyway, you know? Yeah. yeah. So our, our people of color, our native people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and I guess as a side note to people is that I think there's a lot of complacency in these local boards. So if you've got people listening that do live in smaller areas, it's kind of like, just start paying attention, go to the meetings they probably are digging, you know, for people to get on these boards, some of them. And I think it's more small towns than like big cities, but um, there's opportunity there for sure. But that's where it starts. I mean, we we talk Mm -hmm. about systemic racism, systemic discrimination. And this is the system that we need to change. It's at the level city levels, town levels, commissioner levels. That's why the second Leonica said she wanted to run for school board, we were like, run for anything. I try and talk mm-hmm. my husband into it every now and again. I try and ask Chris if he'll do it, but he, he tells me he would stay away. I always feel like the fact that he shares a birthday, birth date with 45, I'm like, well, maybe it was meant to be you, man. Come on, try it out. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. That's um pretty impressive 
movement just to try and do something. <laughs> well, and, um, you know, after that, we've, we've gotten two other women on the commission. And so we've made history in this little town of having a majority women on the commission now. That's huge. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and we've got our eyes on the county commission. We had two people run last, you know, midterm. N neither of them won, but one of them came within four votes of winning. Wow. And so we, we had a recount, and it was still four-vote difference. So she's running again this November. Um, and then we had a commissioner leave a seat open, a county commissioner. So we have somebody who's basically going to run unopposed and probably. So get you that watch, seat. you watch, and you see when those seats open up, you know, and you're ready to go. Yeah, basically every election cycle, we're like, okay, this many seats are up, and like, do we know if this guy's rerunning? Or, um, and then we try and keep people um, informed about what they need to do. Most of the time, it's get a petition, you know. But, so many signatures by such a date. Um, and a lot of times it happens real early. Um, you know, if you want to be on the November ballot, you have to do petitions in April. Oh. And the reason they do that is because um, they need to know if there's so many candidates that they need to run a primary. And the primaries happen a lot earlier, you know, August or. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that'll catch people off guard, you know, it'll you know, June, they'll be like, Oh, I want to be on the ballot in November. It's like, well, too late. You're gonna have to wait till next year. So that's why paying attention is also very important. I mean, we all need to be involved. I, I, I try and stay involved, you know, by writing postcards. And I just feel like on a local level, I haven't spent enough time here to know the community enough. I'm a little apprehensive being a woman of color here in Florida. Um, how do you deal with day-to-day? -day? Do people know who you are and what you stand for? You know, there's that line in Hamilton where he says, you know, talk less, smile more. Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. Um, <laughs> I want to hang flags out in my lawn and things like that. But I just am not – I'm a little apprehensive about all that. Where? How do you – How do you, have you had to deal with resistance personally? Do you have to – do you have to – do that game or do you find that that's only personal and family and then you just kind of that's on a different plane anyway um no it's 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 definitely been a really interesting space to be in and i think i've gone back and forth a little bit on that um so this group that i talked about that we formed um we definitely were flying under the radar for a while. And there's been a lot of discussions about like, how public are we? Do we like the silent takeover? Like where, you know, where do we lie? Um, and we kind of just laid low when we would write our postcards. Um, I mean, we, there's a lot of different little things that we've done that I can get into at some point, but um, you know, postcards is starting to get us visibility because I think it's we're on five or six rounds now of postcards to voters in our community. And we'll say, you know, it's either like get out and vote or vote for this candidate, Johanna from Elder County Action. That's the name of our group. Mm -hmm. And then we've also bought ads in newspaper, our local newspaper, for those same purposes to get out the vote or 
support a candidate and it's, you know, paid for by Elder County Action. And so I think people are starting to notice us. And that was one reason that we decided to form a PAC because. Yes. And I don't mean to hijack that. I'm just going to say the I don't care if you listen podcast. I'm Shalini. This is my friend, Johanna. And Joe, you were just about to go into the PAC conversation. And that was the catalyst to why we decided we needed to talk today is I do want to know all about why you decided to form a PAC, what the benefits are of forming a PAC. And if you can kind of, you know, just download us on simple English, because, you know, all I know about PACs, I was trying to even get a quick update from Chris about, you know, can you kind of fill me in? Because all I know is you hear these commercials and it's like paid for by and that's, you know, the PACs, you know, about money, you know, about the Koch brothers and how they, you know, put money into PACs. Like, talk to me about PACs, politics, PACs. The I don't care if you listen podcast, Johanna on the count of three, one, two, three, go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got all I've got all kinds of pack questions because you went from, you know, just kind of getting cards and stuff in this little group to deciding you needed a pack, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of twofold. So you can spend to to give you one detail of a pack, okay, or political spending. You can spend up to $1,000 in any one election to influence that election without having to report that to the IRS. Any individual can, right? Yes. Yes. Or even a group. Okay. So as an example, if you run, if you want to be on a ballot and you run some kind of a campaign to promote yourself you can, when you file with your county clerk, you, on the forms, they say, you know, are you going to stay underneath the threshold of $1,000 or $999, or are you going to have to report? And, you know, at that point, I was like, this is small beans. We're a really small community. I I don't even want to have to worry about making that much money or, you know, so I wanted to stay underneath that thousand dollar threshold. Right. So going back to my group, um, we liked the idea of just being kind of this grassroots group, keeping it small. People would donate the postcards. They would purchase the postcards and donate it to the group, or they would buy stamps and donate it or address labels. And so we kind of were piecemealing our postcard efforts and we weren't necessarily keeping track of like, okay. And that's an in-kind donation, you know? So if somebody spent $200 on stamps, we weren't taking their receipt and saying, okay, well actually we've got, we've used $600 towards this election or whatever it is. Um, so well, everybody we was just kind of operating in their own, this is what I'm willing to give for this cause thing. Yeah. Bubble. We always made it happen. You know, people are always ready to, to chip in and do it. Right. Um, but we've had members of our group who said, you know, I've had somebody ask me how you how we can afford to buy postcards and where the money's coming from and she said it might be time to think about being more official or, you know, getting a treasurer and stuff like that. (laughs) 
So that was one thing where it's like, yeah, now that we're not so much under the radar, are people going to, especially if they're in opposition to our message, you know, yeah, they could come say, okay, well, I'm going to sabotage you. Like, where's your records? And yeah. Um, and you don't want something them. dumb like that to take out all your efforts when you've worked so hard over, over something that you weren't being, that you were being totally, you know, philanthropic basically about is what you guys were all really doing, right? You guys were just kind of For giving sure. of yourselves and your time to your community. For sure. Um, so then the other bit of it is um, we, when you start doing these kinds of things, you get attention from other groups that are doing the same. And so that are doing the I same had, with the same mission or same with the opposite mission. Um, no, like the same mission. Okay. Sorry. Um, you know, and big in the aftermath of Trump, um, there's a lot of groups out there doing the same thing, you know, for a more progressive push. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and so they, took notice of us, they found us, um, and started reaching out to us about being involved with their group. So it basically it's this group called We the People Michigan. Mm -hmm. So We the People Michigan, they are out to support a lot of these small grassroots groups and they've trained several of us in community organizing. Okay. So once or twice a year, they would say, okay, we're going to be at this hotel in the conference room for two nights, come and, you know, two day long workshops of community organizing. And so several of us participated in that. Um, but because Michigan is a battleground state, a lot of money is coming to Michigan mm -hmm. to be spent, you know, um, on the election. So they, in the last midterm election, they approached us and said, you know, we've got money, but we can't give it to you because you're not a PAC or a 501c4 or 501c3. Um, and so we were having these hurdles. It was like, oh, there's this chunk of money sitting there. And we tried to figure out how could we That's, get the money yeah. to use. And it, it was just too hard without being some kind of formal entity. Huh. So that was the other impetus for us to form a PAC. Okay. And so I mentioned the 501c3 and 501c4, and that, you know, it's, it eventually gets into stuff that I'm like, it's above me. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to have to. IRS speak. <laughs> yeah, look at all that. But so somebody else in my group um, who's taken that on for us decided it would be much easier to just go for the, the PAC versus those other formal entities. I I mean it's so official. <laughs> it's that's big time. I feel like, you know, you formed a pack. Like that's real. That's like real politics, Joe. Real, real yeah. politics. That's pack money. That's pack stuff. I never thought I'd be here for sure. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So do you consider <laughs> yourself a politician? Not really. I mean I sub what a weird word. So if you're, yeah, like, where's the line? And I've never sat down and looked up the definition of a politician. But if I'm an elected official, does that just, like, make me a politician automatically? Like, I'm not that person who wants to go out and be in the light because it scares the crap out of me, you know? I mean, it's like someone's going to ask me something and 
since I'm just a greenhorn and all this, it's like, I'm going to get caught off guard and say something stupid. And so I'm like, I never wanted to debate, you know, and I think my community's small enough that it hasn't come up to that. But, um, some of these amazing people that are in my group, um, you know, retired here, but they taught community organizing at universities in Chicago. And like one is a lawyer from Chicago who ran, helped run campaigns and won campaigns in Chicago for people. And so we've got these amazing resources right here. And so I was using that person and they're like, well, you could have a debate and you could do this and have coffee talks and houses. And I was like, I don't want to do any of that. Can I just like make a flyer and hand it out door to door and maybe a newspaper ad? And she was like, yeah, do whatever you're comfortable with. I'm just letting you know, here's all the things you could be doing. Um, but I'm not one who wants to <laughs> be in that limelight and like be out there, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies or whatever. Yeah, I get that. But the shaking hand and kissing baby people have gotten us into the position we're in now. So mm -hmm. the integrity and the genuine nature of you is what I feel like would be appealing if I were to meet and know that you were running for public office. I would be like, oh, well, that's somebody that I want on my side. That's somebody that I want there. And I do think there is a power in being able to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. And so I, I just feel like we're at a point in our existence. And, they, they, you know, there's all this talk about the Great Awakening is happening now. You know, the Great Awakening. But I really do think we're at this point in our existence now where we are going to have to find out who cares and doesn't care if our children live. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> do you care about my kid or do you not? Is the price tag there for you or is it not? And I think that, you know, maybe seeing more women in these positions will bring humanity back to where it needs to be. I appreciate yeah, all so the explanation on the pack stuff, though, because that clarifies a lot to me as to why it happens, what's important about it, and how, as grassroots as people want to be, if you're actually going to affect real change, you're going to have to put on your big girl pants and get in a pack, or, you know, do it, do it official make it official. Yeah. And there's, you know, the more you dig into stuff, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, I don't want to scare anybody away because there are little things you can do. Um, and before we were a pack, we developed voter education materials to use at a voter education booth, like at local events. And we would just, you know, whatever it is, like an art fair or something, get a booth and have voter registrations on hand and, um, or materials about ballot initiatives. And, um, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so there's like a lot of little things you can do and start small and, and see where it goes. Um, are you running it, for anything right now then? Like currently, will you be running for anything? No, cause okay. it, my commission has three year terms. Okay, good. Okay. And so next November is when I'm going to be up again. Okay. And so like you said, the kiss and hands and kiss and hands. Kiss and hands. Shaking hands. Shaking. <laughs> shaking. That's, <laughs> That's so Dave be Benson. Mine. That's a Dave Benson line. <laughs> It'll be kissing hands, shaking babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. 
um, <sighs> you know, being that more politician-y type person, it might, it might come in the future because if people are getting hip to our takeover, they might say, okay, Johanna's up in November, 2021. I want to run against her because I want to see more men on the board and I'm a conservative and then I'm probably going to have to put my big girl pants on and like do all that. But I mean, that's, I, I, I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I obviously care about you and your family staying safe. And I have a sad vantage point in from, from, from the perspective of, I don't trust people when it comes to, I mean, there is some dirty stuff going on right now. It just, none of it feels, it feels like there are very malicious and bad people out there. There's a bad element happening and it's loud. So I never would want any, that's my biggest fear about, you know, politics because I didn't realize when we were younger, I said this in the last podcast. When people used to say, I don't want to talk politics, I didn't realize that they were saying you can't talk life. Like, this is like regular life stuff, right? Like, having a non-racist, wanting us to live person in the biggest position in the world, probably, that's not politics, is it? Like, I just want a good human there to drive the ship. Like, I don't think that's politics. And if every layer of office leads up to supporting or not supporting that particular position, then okay, then I guess we're talking politics. Yeah, and you said um, earlier, you kind of asked about where I lie on being public about who I am. That's where sometimes I feel icky about it and scared. Um, and I feel like I want to just like go hide under a rock. <laughs> um, because, you know, I'll put my yard signs out and when we do postcard blasts, my home address is the return address on the postcards because, and we do that mostly because we want to see what comes back. You know, if there's addresses that bounce back, we want to make sure we get a good address so we're not wasting postage. Um, so yeah, my home address is on that postcard. And so yeah, I do think about that. And neighbors used to be able to be neighbors and have differences where they stand politically and it definitely doesn't seem that way anymore. Now it's just like the enemy and uh, the well, monsters next door. <laughs> well, I got to say I, um, the podcast that I recorded before this was with a friend of mine, Abby, who I met down here in Florida. Her sister was actually inspired by you with the sourdough sisterhood. <laughs> Her sister is also, um, has a husband who was very, very concerned about his, Sourdough. <laughs> but I said I to I Abby, yeah. I said to Abby, I, I, I don't want to make you the token white woman. And I know that I can say this to you, but, and I said this to my other friend, Sarah, who I've been friends with since the fifth grade. I'm sorry that this much pressure is on you, but there's a lot of pressure on you, white women, right now. Because we are all in your hands currently. And I don't mean to make it sound like, you know, condescending or patronizing or whatever the correct term is there. But 
you can get away with a lot more than I can get away with. One great example is the mom wall in Portland. I mean, that's just a very primal example of why we need loud, strong, proud white women who will not back down. Because when you have white women who will kind of mouse up when that uncomfortable conversation happens, the rest of us feel like, sure, I can't say anything if you're not saying anything. My mom wall, I need, we, people of color need the white mom wall all over. They need it everywhere right now. I get, you know, I see these people saying things about all oh, the looters and oh my gosh, all the looting and all the store owners and the shopkeepers and blah, look, they're acting like this and they shouldn't be this and they should. Sure. But nothing has ever changed without people fighting for change. And if people cannot fight for change by doing their right of peacefully protesting, if they don't get that civil right, if they don't get to practice that, where, where do we go from here? I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. What is what is government? What is justice? This 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 thing in Portland has me like unmarked vans, unidentified, geared up, camoed citizens. We don't know who they are, who they could be, taking people away because the only people that's gonna stop that is white women. The Tulsa riot started when a man fell in an elevator. A white woman yelped because he fell. They thought he was attacking her. Tulsa riots happen. White women are powerful. I beat myself up all the time when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. I was in the same room with Gloria Steinem. Gloria Steinem, I had this great opportunity to have a follow-up relationship, but I was in some weird space where I didn't follow through or something didn't happen, and I just think to myself, that was a voice that did some stuff. <laughs> but the only way, I mean, and I get, you know, I, 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 I feel like I have more white female friends that really want to pacify. Oh, my grandpa, that's just how he is, or, you know... My so-and-so, that's, even I, even I, I can't really have those upfront conversations all the time with my family members because it's uncomfortable and it stinks and it hurts and you don't want them to think you don't love them because they have really crappy opinions. But when it comes to the general public and it comes to a force to be reckoned with, my faith lies in you, Joanna Bogator. For whatever position she wants to be in 2020, 2024, 2028, may you forever be Bogator for that position, whatever it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I will, you know, that's, that's who we need. What else do we have? Well, and that's interesting that you say that because I've got, um, and it is a weird space to be in when it's, you know, you want to help black lives and and all light color lives and and it's like where 
where do we fit in? Like, where should we fit in? And I've heard people say that we just need to get out of the way, you know? So I appreciate your perspective as well, but have you heard that other side of it too, where it's like, no, just like let black women do it, you know? I, I, that's From the point of view weird. of, like, so we'll talk, like, so we could talk about Stacey Abrams. Okay, so if we're talking about from a point of view of, you know, do I think that he needs to pick, that Biden needs to pick a black female candidate as a vice president? Yes. Do I think it would be awesome if it were Oprah or Michelle Obama just to really have a punch? <laughs> yes. But that ain't going to happen. So since it's not. um, So the black women that I'm friends with, that I've spoken to, when I say the black women... We've actually talked about it on the podcast before. We've talked about, you know, the, the my friend Leonica, she is in social work. So she's spent a lot of time working in white communities, right? And so she kind of has a vantage point of, you know, anybody who's down for the cause, we're down for the cause. I haven't heard a whole lot of or seen, you know, via social or anywhere else, a whole lot of get out of the way. I'm I'm new to the TikTok game, but I spend a, I spend plenty of late nights on TikTok, and there's a lot happening there, as far as opinions. Um, I think that when people hear the term ally, though, they want to make sure it's not just ally in name, and it's ally in action, and I think if anybody's telling you to get out of the way. It's similar to the conversation of Colin Kaepernick. He kneeled and you didn't like him kneeling. Like, how do you want him to protest? How did you prefer he do it? What would get through to you? And so I feel like if you were to ever get that pushback, that would be my response would be like, so how can I be an ally? If you want me to get out of the way, then how can I be an ally? But I think that lifting up those voices... I think that, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Bell Hooks, the author Bell Hooks. Um, But she wrote a lot about how you can't really differentiate between the prejudice against women and sexism and racism. She was like, they're kind of one and the same. You can't say, well, I'm a feminist, but, you know, black lives, whatever. You kind of have to, we all have to fight the same oppressor. And we can't, like, splinter off and say, well, my oppressor is this color and my oppressor is that color. Your oppressor is this gender. Your oppressor is that gender. You can't. Like, an oppressor is an oppressor is an oppressor. Somebody who does not want you to have your rights, somebody who does not want you to have your voice is the same as the person who doesn't want the other people to have their voices or their rights. So picking and choosing and splintering off oppressors is really just making everybody weaker. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, get out of the way is a dumb approach. A dumb approach. Get out of the way in regards to help lift up the right voices. Sure. Or be sure that you are building a mom wall around people who are yelling really loud that they are fed up, sick and tired, scared. Moms are scared of their kids being out of the home. Moms are scared, have for generations have been scared Every time their kid walks out the door, that they'll be, they'll fit the description. 
put your headspace there for a minute, like let everybody kind of soak that in and say, okay, I can't relate to that specifically, but I'm a mom, you know, here we go. So I don't know. I, 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 I wish you, I wish we lived in a world where everybody was just on the same page of how to get to that happy place. But there's so many different opinions and it's just a matter, I guess, of amplifying the, the right ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, and another huge, if we kind of segue to something else that um, is, a, is a glimmer of hope, um, uh, this, this group, We the People Michigan, that I referred to earlier, they are taking on a statewide effort um, to do deep canvassing. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but it's, it's a huge tool that's being used right now um, across the country, even. And it was started by um, an LGBTQ group in Los Angeles because they were trying to um, win the same-sex marriage vote. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically deep canvassing is you go to somebody's door and you have a conversation with them um, about where they're at on a kind of on a certain topic. Um, and you don't come in saying, you know, I want you to vote pro same-sex marriage or I want you to vote for this particular candidate. You're just going and having a real conversation, trying to build a little bit of a relationship in the time that you can, sharing your own personal story and eliciting a personal story from that person at the door um, to really just form a relationship with that person and try and change minds that way. And so a few of us in my group have taken on this deep canvassing in our county. They do it county by county. And when we first started, um, and we've obviously moved to doing phone calls. We can't go door to door because of the pandemic. Right. And so um, when we first started, we had a script that was based on the pandemic. And so you would get that stranger on the phone and you'd say, you know, I'm from this organization, but I live in your community and we're just talking to people today to, to see how they're doing. And, you know, how are you doing in this pandemic? And, and start talking about their loved ones. You know, I, myself, I get really concerned about my daughters because da, 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 and then see where, you know, who do they want to uplift and who do they worry about? And, and then kind of start to talk about, well, are you going to vote in November? And when I vote, I think about my kids. And uh, so it's, it's that type of a conversation um, to just see where people are at. And there's just some amazing conversations you can have. I mean, if you get somebody on the phone and they're like, I'm not interested in talking. Cool. Thanks for your time. Bye. But a lot of times if people want to talk, I mean, you, you really can, can make change happen that way. I mean, there's studies about it working and um, uh, we've since changed the script to reflect um, Black Lives Matter, like this, what's going on right now. And so the conversation is about race. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting I mean, all these conversations we're having. And it's, it's hard here because we are very white. Um, so some of it's maybe trying to connect it to native people but then, you know, but then connect it to the broader issue in the country. 
Um, so how does it go? I mean, what are you finding? What are you finding? Are, are people, like Anne Frank said, are they really good at heart? I think so. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're going to get those people that are like, no, thanks, not interested. And some people who are on the opposite side will want to talk, you know, and a few people have had those conversations, but I don't know, for the most part, there are a lot of good people and they just need someone to listen. And, you know, maybe if they were never been motivated to vote, maybe this would help motivate them. You know, it's reaching those people because I don't know what the percentage is. I can't remember, but it's just an appalling low amount of people that vote in our country. You know, and so many people don't vote. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't want to be doom and gloomed. Oh, I don't. But how are we going to turn this Titanic? Like, how? 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 We won't be able to survive more him. We won't be able to survive more 45. He's broken down so many systems and he's continuously just breaking down more and more and more. And now our threshold for what's acceptable and what's not is broken down. And we were literally over the fact that we're going to have a president that said I grabbed her by the... Like, come on. Ronald Reagan was hanging out, like, doing movies with a monkey. Like, I mean, that was supposed to be, like, the threshold. Well, and, you know, we've got no reason absentee voting. I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff for Michigan. And our um, Secretary of State mailed absentee voter um, applications to everyone, every registered voter in the state. So it, it was very easy to do that. And, you know, she got pushback on it. They wanted to sue her and say it was illegal and um, ultimately, it was fine. She won. It was fine. And why would people all... not want that? I don't understand why they would not want that. What is? The... I think people do. It's just the Republicans don't want it because they know that it's going to turn out a higher Democratic vote. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, addressing your doom and gloom part of it. I, I get all of that for sure. But I, I think if people can have access to a mail-in ballot, and I, I know it's not as easy across the country in every state, but if it's promoting that message of how people can vote, and it's important to vote, and that can be something that's that pushed to people that, you know, maybe they'll get out there and do it, or get the absentee ballot if they can, or, um, because I think they said, I'm trying to think of some of the numbers, they said like 50% of the voting is going to be mail-in voting, they anticipate, in Michigan. And it's already up, or the amount of people that have requested T ballots is up by like 350% or something. Yeah, people, I mean, I know for me, like I'm, I'm pushing back, you know, checkups to even go to, you know, deal with that. So anything that gets me away from the general public right now I'm willing to take that opportunity and I, I think a lot of people are on that page of just like why take the risk if I don't have to right for sure and it's it is too bad that as a nation we can't make that easy for people because of the current situation and and allow absentee voting for this very reason um, it's a good reason 
but they know that it'll get more Democrats to vote. It's asinine. Uh, the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast. I'm Shalini. Chatting with my gal, pal, my friend, my... We, we you know, we... Um, we could say that we were Hollywood famous for a little bit when we hung out with Mayim Bialik together. <laughs> Got the photos to prove it. <laughs> yes, we were we were Mayim's friends way before Big Bang Theory, like way back, way back. Just kidding. I mean, kinda. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I think something that's amazingly uh, cool about you is after Blossom, you went back to school for your PhD. What yes. did you get your PhD in? I got my PhD in, um, in neuroscience from UCLA. And, uh, wow. Yes. Thank you. And I, I like to say, b- besides getting you a part on the Big Bang Theory, I was also made the, spokesmers- the spokesperson of Texas Instruments Calculators. So that's what you get with a PhD in neuroscience. <laughs> Big Bang Theory, and you're the spokesperson for graphing calculators. That is, uh, I actually do think that's... I I do applaud that. I I love the idea that you decided, no, I want to go out and get uh, a serious education. And I also know that Big Bang, that is a show that is very serious about getting the facts right. When they talk about science, they want the facts to be right, even though... I'm watching it. It could be anything, you know? I I don't... I'm I'm like a cat. I'm just... They could write anything on the board. (laughs) Would you... Do you actually help them keep the facts straight as a neuroscientist? Um, you know, when I auditioned for the part, I, uh... On, on my resume under miscellaneous, it says PhD neuroscience because I didn't know where else to put it on an acting resume. So I right. put it under miscellaneous. And uh, Bill where, Brady... Where most people put juggling. I did. Uh, speaks Hebrew, Spanish, PhD in neuroscience. Wow. Um, and Bill Prady, our creator, executive producer at the audition, said, is this for real? I said, yeah, it kind of is. I have a PhD. So when they brought me back for the fourth season, he said they figured, why not make her what I am so that I can, you know fix small things if they're wrong. But generally, they get pretty much everything right. So I, I talk to my writers about, like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure that was the funniest way to go. You correct them on no. That's, that's... not the region of the brain that does that. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, I think that what I have always found fascinating about you is that you do so frequently what I want to do, which is put your feet in the game, learn the game, play the game, decide if you like the game, and then get really good at the game. So I appreciate you even kind of putting your neck out there. I know it's got to be tough to put your neck out there, but you, you know, you got two daughters watching you, and they are paying attention to see how you kind of navigate all this. Even though they might not know specifically what's going on, they'll have an idea when they're older, they'll get it. But you've broken yeah. down, I mean, you do give yourself a little credit for breaking down a few glass ceilings, right? Like, you got to give yourself some love for that. I definitely do, because I I think I helped motivate people to get on local seats. You know, being that first person that kind of took that step. Because um, my, my friend, who I wanted to get on the board, I wanted her to go first, because she's been in the community a long time, and uh, is just has her fingers in so many different things going on in the community um but she didn't want to be the first woman or you know she was kind of like you get there first and I'll follow so I was like okay if that's what it's got to be we're gonna do it um good for you so so thanks and I you know I don't want to take 
you know, there's so much, so many amazing people that help in so many ways in our group. So it's not possible without all the people. So if people want to take stuff on, I, they need to remember that because sometimes it's hard for me to delegate. Um, but there's so many things that it's not possible without a team really. So it's like, find your people, put yourself out there, see who comes forward. And then, you know, as a group push forward. That's a great point. That's a really great point. And I feel like everybody has to do every little bit they can. If they really want to see change, they got to do the little things they can. Um, or the big things like you're doing or the big things. And, and when it comes to, um, speaking to white women in this whole issue of, you know, raising a future generation of equality and like wanting to be a part of affecting change, making equality happen. Um, you know, similar to my, to my conversation I had with my friend, Abby, I was, I was joking with Chris. I was like, back to back. I've got Abby and then I've got Johanna. I am going to get into these white ladies heads. I am going to figure this out. But I think what I mean to say is, you know, Abby had said something to the effect of, you know, I feel bad. I feel like I haven't done the work. I feel like I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Um, and for you to ever feel like somebody's saying, no, you know, step back, this is, you know, step back, you know, get out of the way. Uh, we've all got a lot of work to do. I hope we all kind of do our own work. But please know and please feel, and I am speaking to myself and to every other, especially woman out there, if you really are, if you really are coming from a good, genuine place inside, people will always key in on that. If you get stuff that stings, it's because people, hurt breeds hurt. When people are hurt, they hurt. You know, so I just feel like sometimes when you get reactions from hurt people, you get hurt reactions, it's because of hurt. So it's almost just like, um, Like you say, I mean, you just got to chip away, right? We all got to chip away. And I think, I feel like as long as we're all, we can't beat ourselves up. We have to do a lot of self-care, especially right now. And being mom, you add being a mom to everything. You want to put your footprint on this planet, but you don't want to do it at the cost of your child not having or being able to do anything. So it's like this constant, you know, should, yeah. should I say, Balance. shouldn't I say, yeah. You know, even, even something as simple as this podcast. I, I, you, I, I'm now coming to grips with it, but I would get pretty paranoid about, like, other kids' parents listening and then, you know, how would they treat my kid and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think you just get to a point where you're just like, you know, please, you know, I wish you well. I hope, you know, I know that I don't well, want anything bad for anybody. Yeah, and I think what where I've actually had tougher moments on myself is I, am I doing my position justice? You know, like, am I devoting enough time to being on commission because my family is my priority right now, mm -hmm. you know, and it, down the road, my time will free up potentially. If my kids go to school, we'll see. Um, so then I will have more time to get into the minutia of it all. Um, because 
maybe one of the reasons people don't want to jump in is because it does seem boring or over your head. And there is that for sure. I mean, a lot of meetings will be just like, okay, we got to pay like some engineering bill and buy a piece of equipment. And, um, but then you just, you start to learn some of the inner workings of this stuff. And then sometimes, yeah, the really interesting, important decisions do come into play, um, where you can try to be more environmentally minded or, um, you know, when you're talking about social and racial justice, you know, those kinds of things at a local level don't come into play as often. But if we can start to fill these seats with women and women of color or any people of color, yeah, then let's start to filter those people up the chain, you know, who can then be a state rep and then, you know, see where you can go. And I'll take bad politicians who are female and and people of color i'll take them they can be in those positions and be bad for a while as far as i'm concerned i mean bad but not bad by abusing the system but bad by like yeah they're spending a little too much time with their family well 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 he spends pandemic time at his golf course okay so and there is no you you are just fine with your use of time Well, and you know, you hate to use that as a barometer, but at the same time, you can. You could be like, look who our president is. Yeah. Like, shut up. <laughs> I mean, it's literally down to everything. Like, I do I curse in front of my kid? I I wouldn't have thought about it pre-2016. After 2016, I'm like, yeah, well, F this. Right. <laughs> 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 if he hears some bad language, he'll be all right. <laughs> well, and talking about kids, you know, it is kind of fun because, um, you know, I get these huge commission packets of it's all printed out. And so once it's done, I don't really have to save it and it, it could go in the recycle bin or I'll throw it in the drawer for my kids to have scrap paper. Yeah. Cause a lot of times the back is empty. And so they are well aware of like commission, you know, I'll always be like, they, they want to draw, go grab commission paper. And um, so it's like now part of their, you know, lexicon. I love that. That's the right word. Yeah. But I love that. I mean, that's the thing is it's just kind of building this into normal. Mom's, you know, this is, this is mom's work. You know, mom does this. She's trying to make the, make, make where we live a better place. That's just what mom does to make the, make us live in a better place. This is what she does. And I mean, you kind of put that in generation after generation. That's how, like these, these, the, 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 the deep canvassing you were talking about, I was like, man, I feel like we need that, like, to the, like, exponentially, you know, to the millionth power to get through to people. Because, you know, right now it feels like you're just kind of like, you know, taking a, a, a toothpick to a dam and just kind of like tap, 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 tap. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that that's these little itty bitty things are what changes culture. That's how culture changes. Somebody asked uh, via Facebook, somebody asked, you know, why do you think there's not more women in positions of power? And I was like, exhaustion, fatigue. Mm-hmm. You get tired of push, push, pushing all the time. You can't always push, but you know what? These are the ways. These are the ways that you can keep chipping away, tapping away, whether you're good in your position or not. You just keep staying there, and you keep helping all the other ladies and gents of color get in there, and that's just how we do it. That's how it's got to be done, and whether my hope is that, you know, November comes and we can start really making some big change, that's my hope. But as long as we're going to play this game in their system, this is the only way to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's slow, you know, <laughs> it could get frustrating because you feel like, oh, it's just like so slow to get some of these things through and by. But, but you're in the game. You're in the it. game. They said that about Hill, you know, about Hillary. She had a lot of backlash for who she was. She got a lot of guff for who she was. But you know what? She was in the game. The only reason people were talking all this stuff about her is because all those years she was in the game from college on. She was in it. She had skin in it. She was doing stuff. Yeah, she's got some dirty hands sometimes. Yes, for sure. But that's what happens when you're in the game. She's playing in the game. You're in it. You got to be in it. You just got to be in it. You have my support forevermore. And when your daughters run, my son will support them. That's just how that's going to go. For sure. Yeah. Well, and if, you know, get him involved. If if you can get Chris to get on a board, then, you know, make it a part of your everyday normal. And I'm excited to take my daughter to meetings once, once they get a little older, you know, start yeah. coming to meetings. And so what we need to do is just get kids involved from the get go. And cause that's, that's one of our struggles in my group is finding the young people and getting them, you know, I'm basically one of the youngest people in my group. It's a lot of retirees. So it's like finding those young people, getting them engaged. We're always strategizing around that. Power to the people, Joe. Power to the people. You're <laughs> and a I hero. Will say, You're a hero. I'm sorry, I kept thinking of this while we were talking. I didn't want to forget, but it brings me some comfort. I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said, do something every day that scares you. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. Ah, Mr. Secretary. Mr. Burser. Did you hear the news about good old General Mercer? No. You know, Claremont Street? Yeah. They renamed it after him. The Mercer legacy is secure. Sure. And all he had to do was die. That's a lot less work. We ought to give it a try. Huh. Now how are you going to get your debt plan through? I guess I'm going to finally have to listen to you. Really? Talk less. Smile more. Do whatever it takes to get my plan on the Congress floor. Now Madison and Jefferson are merciless. Well, hate the sin, love the sinner. Hamilton, sorry, Burr, I gotta go. But decisions are happening over dinner. Two Virginians and an immigrant walk into a room diametrically opposed foes. They emerge with a compromise, having opened doors that were previously closed. Bros. The immigrant emerges with unprecedented financial power, a system he can shape however he wants. The Virginians emerge with the nation's capital. And here's the pièce de résistance. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one really knows how the game is played, the art of the trade, how the sausage gets made. We just assume that it happens, because no one else is in the room where it happens. Thomas claims Alexander was on Washington's doorstep one day in distress and disarray. Thomas claims Alexander said I've nowhere else to turn and basically begged me to join the fray. Thomas claims I approached Madison and said I know you hate him, but let's hear what he has to say. Thomas claims Well, I arranged the meeting, I arranged the menu, the venue, the seating. But no one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. 
was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one really knows how the parties get to yes. The pieces that are sacrificed in every game of chess. We just assume that it happens. But no one else is in the room where it happens. Meanwhile, Madison's grappling with the fact that not every issue can be settled by committee. Meanwhile, Congress is fighting over where to put the capital. It isn't pretty. The Jefferson approaches with a dinner and invite, and Madison responds with Virginian insight. Maybe we could solve one problem with another and win a victory for the Southerners. In other words, oh ho, a quid pro quo. I suppose. Wouldn't you like to work a little closer to home? Actually, I would. Well, I propose the Potomac, and you'll provide him his votes. Well, let's see how this goes. Let's go. No. What else was in the room where it happened? The room where it happened. The room where it happened. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. My God, in God we trust, but we'll never really know what got discussed. Click, boom, then it happened. And no one else was in the room where it happened, Alexander Hamilton. What did they say to you to get you to sell New York City down the river? Alexander Hamilton. Did Washington know about the dinner? Was there presidential pressure to deliver? Alexander Hamilton. Or did you know, even then, it doesn't matter where you put the U.S. Capitol? Cause we'll have the banks. We're in the same spot. You got more than you gave. And I wanted what I got. When you got skin in the game, you stay in the game. But you don't get a win unless you play in the game. Oh, you get love for it. You get hate for it. You get nothing if you wait for it, wait for it, wait. God help and forgive me. I want to build something that's gonna outlive me. What do you want, bruh? What do you want, bruh? You stand for nothing. I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I wanna be in the I, room where it happens. I wanna be the room where it happens. I I wanna be in the room. Saying what they trade away. We dream of a brand new start. But we dream in the dark for the most part. Dark as a tomb where it happens. I've got to be in the room where it happens. I've got to be where it happens. I've got to be in the room where it happens. I've got to be, I gotta be, I wanna be. I wanna be in the room where it happens. Click boom. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen.